This podcast is brought to you by Pragmatic Play, a leading game developer providing player favorites to the most successful brands across the industry. With an award-winning multi-product portfolio of slots, live casino, bingo, virtual sports, and more, Pragmatic Play is powering up new possibilities of play through one single API. Visit pragmaticplay.com and discover your favorite every time. And welcome back to the IGMNX podcast. Uh, Levon uh, Nikogoshan, uh, I hope I pronounced that right. We just talked about it before the broadcast here. CEO and board member and co-founder of Afafa. How are you doing today? Great. Thanks for the invitation, Pierre. It's a pleasure to be part of your podcast. Uh, I'm doing great. And yeah, looking forward to a lovely conversation with you. Same here, Levan. And uh, it's about time, obviously. Um, we've been following Afpapa for quite a long time over here at uh, IGME Next, and we've been really impressed by uh, kind of how you guys came from almost from nowhere uh, and, and uh, found a lot of success in recent times. You've grown, obviously, and uh, become a significant force within the industry. But as a starting point here today, Levan, why don't you just introduce uh, Afpapa? We can see here the logo in the background is shining nicely behind you. Uh, it would be great to just have an introduction of, of um, the company and what it is that you do. Sure. Thanks for the question. And uh, once again, thanks for this opportunity to share the insights with the industry. Um, so Afpapa started in 2020 during COVID when uh, me and some of my, you know, iGaming friends, uh, you know, they came up with the idea of uh, something that is missing within our industry. And that thing was this natural connection between affiliates and operators. And we had sort of a feeling that there is a gap because every time we were asked, you know, a question about like, where can we find affiliates? The only valid resources were the networks or uh, some forums over there. But even those forums didn't allow you to find affiliates. It was mostly about talking to them, uh, raising some questions and etc. So that's how the idea came. Actually, in the beginning, I was not part of the team as as, as itself. I was part of the idea, but the, the team started it uh, with this, you know, mindset of connecting two parties, which are essential for one another, and uh, without any middleman fee, without any, you know, hidden uh, fees that or costs that could, you know, raise some questions or concerns. But rather than uh, to have a very simple formula of having those two parties be introduced together. And from that, it evolves to what we have today as a, as a directory of affiliates and operators. And uh, I would say that for specifically affiliates and operators is the leading directory today where we have affiliates and operators connecting with one another. And uh, based on this core, we are trying to implement all the other aspects of um, of uh, this networking. You know, we try to do the events. We try to organize some, you know, parties where we could bring these two sides together. And so far, I think it's going well. And of course, during our our the course of our interview, we can touch base on our plans as well with iGaming Next for sure. Absolutely. And parties is uh, definitely not something that the affiliates are, are shying away from, that's for sure. So it's a good uh, good point to add into, into the mix uh, here. Um, 
a question on on um, kind of how you found your success. As you mentioned here, you are the leading directory um, of affiliates and operators uh, today in the industry, and there are obviously other directories as well. Uh, what made you what made you succeed in that uh, uh, in that side and so quick? Yeah. I think I think the uh, main success uh, lies in the core team of uh, of the company, of course, and in the in the leading and strategic employees that we have because without those people uh, the company wouldn't have been possible you know to uh, get where we are today and i think i think mostly the first thing is it comes to the people of course the idea of uh, of the project is really important but if you don't have the right tools you won't be able to accomplish and get to the point where you want. So in this case, the tools uh, and the uh, basically the right path to get to the, you know, uh, place where we are is to have the right people in the team. And uh, I think we were lucky enough to uh, have our first employees, uh, the best ones that we could imagine. And we have overdone and over accomplished uh, our plans initially i think that's the, the most important thing about any project is the team and i'm glad that we have this uh, this uh, great for formula and chemistry with the team that we have today right and obviously as a startup to attract a really good team is something that is quite difficult because as a startup you usually you don't uh, you're not that well funded you're not that well known, you know. If you are, if you are a talented employee, um, you have to have a really good motivation to move to a startup that it can fail, rather than a safe company that may pay more and and where you have a kind of a solid, safe future. Um, so, just kind of like the fundamental question is like, how do you attract that team as a uh, as a startup? Yeah, uh, I mean. Uh... I'll be honest with you, like uh, initially the team um, didn't consist of, um, you know, the top eye gaming uh, gurus or something. Like literally everyone was trained within the team and they were new to the industry. But the core, uh, I think the essence is to have the right people in terms of uh, having them as a, you know, team members feeling them the same way about the project as, you know, the founders feel. Uh, and of course, that's the duty of the founders to uh, convey this message to the team, explain them what they are working for, what is the end goal and uh, what's the, the big picture. And I think this is like the most important thing in every team, especially when it's still small, like the first 10 to 20 employees should be treated very individually. And uh, you should spend more time on these people, speaking to them, explaining them what you do, and also trying to find the best match for the team. And for that reason, like I'm at the moment, like for the last four months, I've been getting involved in every interview that we were having for the team and trying to explain literally that uh, 
what kind of risks are these people taking? Because it's very risky to, you know, join a startup, as you said. And uh, since the beginning, we tell them that you will be wearing multiple hats and you will be doing multiple things which are not in the contract, which are not in our conversation now. But uh, when at some point we decide to throw a party or we decide to, you know, do uh, some other activities which are not in our scope at the moment, someone has to be delegated some tasks and these tasks should be taken care of and you should be prepared to do the things that are not initially in the plan and i think that's the the main uh, main uh, you know uh, essence why uh, small teams can succeed and if you fail to have this and if you hire like for every specific role you hire someone and you you know, try to make them to take care of of, of th that position, then you will fail because like as a startup, you can't have so much resources, you can't have so much funds and you can't, you know, allow yourself to hire like a single person for everything. Sometimes like uh, you should do the design yourself. Sometimes you should, uh, you know, write some content yourself. Sometimes you should uh, talk to the venues yourself if you are deciding to, you know, uh, have a have a networking event or something. Uh, the core idea is to to have the right team and everyone should have the same mindset as you do. And if there is a position uh, and you don't find the perfect match for that position, it's better to keep that position vacant uh, instead of hiring someone not being the best fit. I, I, I'm talking about just like the first 10 to 20 employees of the team. When, when you are over 100, of course, it's impossible to hire, you know, the best and very meticulously choose all these people. But when you are small, you should be very meticulous and very precise about what you do. Right. So there's a, there's a fine line as a founder of, um, you know, being kind of in the trenches and being part of the decision making and, um, uh, getting the troops to uh, to kind of align and and, um, and and go a certain style of working with you, uh, and there's a very fine line with that and micromanagement. Uh, how do you separate the two? And have you in, in your journey so far have you kind of been battling these two um, these two ways of leadership? Uh, I mean, this is a very important question that you are tackling right now, and. Uh... Yeah, this line is very narrow and it's very easy to fall like one side or, or the other. Uh, the most important thing about uh, running a business is to delegate. And uh, for that, the most important thing is to rely on the employees, on the team that you have. If you have the right people, you trust them, then you can stop micromanaging them. They can do the rest themselves. So you are comfortable with uh, the idea and the fact that, you know, the business units or, or the departments are taking care of themselves. But for this, you have to invest much more uh, resources and power initially to really recognize if, if you have hired the right person. Once, you know, within the first one or two months, you have passed that barrier. And after two months, you are comfortable that this person can take care of what has been delegated then that's where you stop micromanaging uh, unless you get some red flags afterwards but if there are no red flags and within that two months or three months of period you have trained them you have you know worked together and uh, now you understand that they 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 know their tasks they know how to take care of 
uh, their duties. Then that's where you leave them and you go after uh, expanding of your business. You go after thinking about what else you should do to expand the business. What activities do you miss? Uh, what additional services can you provide? And that's the job of uh, the founder, the owner or the director of the team. You have to expand the team. But you have to create a very, you know, uh, powerful team to rely on them so that you can allow yourself to think about the, the long term roadmap rather than do the micromanaging things. But sometimes you do that as well, because, I mean, uh, that's an organism <laughs> which is growing. Yeah, I, I just finished uh, reading Carl Newport's book, uh, which is called Deep Work. And he talks about this, um, what you just talked about, uh, which is like, how much of your day do you want to engage in this like shallow work, which is basically shallow work is answering emails, answering messages, answering chats, and you, you kind of stay on the surface. Um, and many people in their professional careers, they they go through the day and they are like answering messages, answering emails. And like at the end of the day, they feel like really productive because they have done so many messages and so many emails and so many communications. But really and truly, the only thing that they do is just push messaging back and forth um so like you have these like extended email chains that are totally unnecessary uh, these like smaller chats on on teams or slack that are like kind of keeping you on the surface and really and truly what you want to aspire to is find uh enough time to be in kind of the deep work state uh where as you mentioned rather than having to think about if your team is doing things exactly the way you want them to do it uh, you can focus as a leader on uh, kind of engaging in this deep work when you think much, much more deeper about the uh, strategy of the company or, uh, you know, how are we going to, uh, how are we, like, what's the end goal of the business or what are like the deeper underlying trends that are uh, driving potential success in the business or, you know, take COVID as an example where, you know, a lot of uh, a lot of uh, organizations, ourselves included, we were kind of doing, we, we, were kind, we were kind of a machine. We were doing the same thing every day and we weren't really questioning like the deeper strategy, let's say. But COVID threw all of that out the window and it forced us to go into a deeper state of thinking where we had to question our entire business. You know, like what are we actually, uh, what do we actually need to do to succeed? And that changed the course of our entire organization. And so one of the... Um, arguments that uh, call uh, call Newport uh, he puts forward in the book is like uh, you should one month per year uh, this, this, there's some organization who does this uh, one month a year all employees uh, should <laughs> this is a bit extreme okay this maybe doesn't work for everyone but um, all employees should just shut off their emails shut off their um, uh, messaging systems and uh, they are not contactable for a month and during that month, the only task they have is to think about the long-term strategy of the company. And then after this month has passed, uh, everyone gets together again to present their ideas and their vision of uh, uh, the groundbreaking ideas. Like everyone should have one groundbreaking idea for how to change a business. And those ideas will have a much bigger impact on the business than the, this like shallow work that most people would stay in within the, within the course of a month. I thought that was quite interesting. If you haven't read that book, it's a fantastic yeah. book. Everyone should read it. D Deep Work by Colin Newport. Okay. Yeah. Jolt it down. Take, take note, take note. Um, but, but it's a good point. And, and you know, so onto, uh, onto leadership uh, again, Levon. Um, I have another question for you here. 
Um, you know, it's something I think a lot about. Uh, what is the best type of leader? Or is there a silver bullet to be a good leader? And, you know, if we uh, think back to uh, uh, one of the famous um, philosophers, Machiavelli, in uh, the 1500s, he wrote the famous book, uh, The Prince, um, which basically asked the question, is it if it is better to be feared or to be loved as a leader? And Machiavelli's um, answer to that is that the um, best is to be both feared and loved, but it's very difficult as a leader to be both, both feared and loved. So if you have to choose one, it is to be feared, which is a quite controversial statement. Hence the um, the, the Machiavellian uh, kind of uh, leadership style, as it is called today. Uh, so my question uh, to you, Levan, is uh, what do you think makes a great leader? Do you have any updated leader, leadership principles here that will overturn Machiavelli, perhaps? Thanks for the question. Uh, uh, as I said, I mean, uh, I think Machiavelli is a bit outdated already because uh, in the book he is tackling specifically the ways how to run a country, how to run, uh, you know, a sustainable uh, sort of a model for a successful uh, leadership. Uh, and the, this leadership is, is uh, you know, 500 years old and it tackles the days and the risks they had back in the days. So if, if we take some parallels with today's businesses, I mean, um, I don't think that you have to be feared in any way by your employees because you don't have the risk to be overthrown. You have the risk to be uh, overperformed by your competitors and be overthrown from the market uh, as a company, but you don't have a risk of being overthrown as the CEO of, of, or a you know founder of the company. So here we have to separate those two risks that are uh, you know today and that vary from what Machiavelli was talking about like 500 years ago. Uh, and here uh, the importance is to, as I mentioned earlier, if you have the right team and you trust them. Uh, you don't have to be feared of uh, misdiscipline or you don't have to be you know feared of um, lack of uh, lack of respect towards the work that they are doing because uh, the right team can have a party with you can be a good friends with you and in the morning they will you know sit next to their computers and get to work and try to accomplish the long term goal that you have together and that's it basically the best the best thing the best way you can keep the team and the company is uh to be a good person and treat them uh respectfully and uh, within that you can accomplish and get much further rather than you know try to uh you try to convey some sort of uh you know uh, some sort of uh, scare, you know, to, to try to scare them or try to to leverage on their on their uh, risky thoughts. So I, I think I think it's uh, it, it's more about the personality and the relationship uh, as a friend rather than any 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 leverages uh, how you could you know manipulate and scare them because in the end if if 
what can you offer? What can you put on the table? I mean, if if uh, they are afraid to be fired or uh, to resign from the company, there are many other alternatives that they can take. But back in the days, if you were a general in Machiavelli's army, probably you didn't have any other options, and uh, that was the only that was the only career you you had and the career path you could take in your life. So I think the times are different, and here. Uh, there is no more uh, place, you know, to be scary for your employees, but rather to be good friends and uh, to sustain a good relationship with them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Lim limited career options in uh, in Italy uh, in the 1500s, that's for sure, compared to today. Um, I like, uh, but, but personally, you know, there's an updated kind of leadership book from another kind of military style leader, which is uh, Yoko Willink. He's an ex-Navy mm -hmm. SEAL. Do you know who he is as well? Mm -hmm. yeah. So he, he's, um, mm -hmm. he's written many leadership books, right? He, uh, he basically led some of the platoons in the, in the Navy SEALs, one of the like, hardest branches of the military in the, in, the, in the US. And he talks a lot about the dichotomy of leadership, that um, you, know, you, have, you have other like, leadership gurus, let's say, that are like, influencers on LinkedIn or whatever. So Shmida, like, one of them is like, Simon Sinek. He's like, a famous leadership guru. Mm -hmm. And he talks very specific, like, a leader should do this. Like, this is what a leader should be doing. Um, but then, at the same time, uh, you, know, you can imagine like, leaders like, uh, say, um, Steve Jobs, for example, who was, uh, who was known for being a quite ruthless leader. But nonetheless, he was a successful leader. And so you ask the question, like, how, how does that make sense that uh, such a character was able to get the troops behind him? And I think Joko Willek makes that pretty clear that leadership is a lot about, is, is a dichotomy. So there isn't like a silver bullet. There isn't like uh, one way to, uh, to approach leadership. There is a million ways to approach leadership and every company uh, needs a different leadership approach based on the personality of the leader, based on the... Um, based on the situation or based on where the company is in its journey. And this will keep changing, right? So when you're in, when you're in, you know, when, when COVID happens and you lose all the revenue and you need to kind of like figure out a new strategy in the company, you need like a wartime leader who can yeah. really take charge and take leadership. But then when a company settles more, say Apple in 2022 is a settled company under the leadership of someone who kind of gives power to the team, like what we talk about here, um, where uh, you don't have to kind of reinvent the wheel. And so therefore, it's much more valuable to give uh, the team uh, kind of more ownership into driving strategy and so on and so forth. And I, I think personally, I think I, I like that approach uh, quite a lot that uh, actually every leader is unique. And every leader has his flaws, his strength, his weaknesses, and everything in between. And you just kind of need to twist the knobs a bit slightly to do the best that you can based on your own personality as a leader. I found that for myself, at least, that um, rather than aspiring to, you know, become like Napoleon style leader 2.0, mm -hmm. whatever, I just have to like look at my own personality and then um, act the best that I can based on that, basically. Yeah. Exactly. And also, and also, it's very important, like what makes you happy and what values you have in your life, and what kind of leadership will make your life uh, very pleasurable for yourself. First of all, because I mean, if if you are that ruthless leader who doesn't feel that you know doing or behaving in such a way, then I mean, after 
the work after your job is finished and done you won't feel yourself like the way that you would like to and uh, it's also important that your personality matches the type of the team and the type of the company that you are in so if, if you are not the person who can run a restaurant and be very ruthless with the staff there and be very strict i mean you you shouldn't do that you should you should maybe do an seo company or something where you have the content writers and you are more friendly to different atmosphere so it's very important like what makes you happy in your life and that's uh how you choose to be a leader you know i couldn't agree more Levon. um from one topic to something completely different, um, I want to kind of lean in now a little bit more to affiliation, the world of affiliation and kind of the, the ongoing trends and potential disruptions in this field. Um, something that is uh, very interesting to, to, to me and to our company right now is the um, kind of AI revolution that is taking place at the moment. I don't think anyone on the planet today more or less uh, have, have escaped the, the, the word chat GPT. Uh, and um, and what is taking place on on that uh, uh, on that side of tech at the moment? And um, I hear a lot of affiliates, specifically that are excited by ChatGPT uh, for its ability to produce good uh, content and uh, the ability to produce a lot more content, let's say a lot more targeted content, which is what uh, affiliates are looking for. Uh, so I want to, I'm just very cur curious to hear from from uh, directly from you, uh, Levon, who are kind of like in the center of, of discussions of uh, where are the trends currently and so on and so forth. Uh, like how disruptive do you think ChatGPT is uh, within the uh, affiliation world specifically? And uh, kind of like, what do you hear from affiliates in regards to ChatGPT at the moment? Uh, you know, there is very dubious opinions about uh, ChatGPT and uh... What can it accomplish? How can it be used? Overall, of course, there is a big shift and a big change in the game now. Uh, there are different types of affiliates. It's, it's not that, you know, the affiliates generate the traffic in the same way. It's totally different. One of, like, some of the affiliates are doing a reviews website where they write meticulous reviews about every casino with their own ideas, their experience. And imagine, like, within this content, it's impossible to delegate something to chat gpd to do instead of yourself for some other affiliates who were into generating random texts more or less random just to appear you know for some period in uh, the first rows in google or other search engines uh, these companies have been uh, creating and generating content in uh, Similar ways, let's put it that way. They might have had, you know, some content writers who were uh, who were publishing like five articles a day based on already created content, which they could rewrite, rephrase, and put on their website and try to tackle the first rows and, uh, and the first pages of search engines. Uh, that companies they used to uh, act in a similar way. And ChatGPT is just an additional tool for them to fasten the process, to do it quicker. Instead of five articles, maybe publish 10 articles a day with a better content and a better insights. Uh, but the amount of um, competition within this field 
uh, and and like the similarity similarity of those affiliates remain the same. So it's like the same amount of affiliates doing the same thing, but now they are using uh, all of them got upgraded tools which they can use as well. It's like you know playing a game where where you got some new upgraded tool that you can purchase, or or in this case it's even free that you can use it. And overall, I mean, it's it's a revolution, of course. It's um it's a new thing. It's uh, absolutely it's it's absolutely like a new planet a metaverse and uh it's a field which still has to be harvested and it's like uh it didn't even even display like the maybe two three percent of its real abilities of what you could accomplish with chat gpt it's the same with like apple store or google play uh remember like uh, 15 or 20 years ago when it was like first published. Uh, the first applications, what was implemented and what you could download. It, it was like very limited, right? But within the process and the progress and still like the 90% of the hardware remains the same, the geolocation and stuff. But like new applications appeared and, and they have been like really new, new, you know? I mean, you, you like the Uber or, or like uh, any any delivery application, those things could have, could have been possible even 15 years ago, but it took some time for people to adopt and generate these ideas and then, you know, get to the level of maturity when these applications were ready to enter the market. The same with ChatGPT, we're like in, in very early stages of it. We don't know its capacities and capabilities, where it could get, where it could take us. So I believe it will take some time for us uh, to to realize the true power of it, and we will get more and more revolutionary applications and ideas of uh, the ChatGPT, you know, execution. So I think uh, within this year and further on, we will see like many revolutionary uh, applications with more complex ChatGPT implementation, which can get us to like uh, to some. Uh, goals that we didn't think of before, as I said, with the same application, so yeah, the that, regular market. That, that's a great point, Levon. I, I remember I bought the um, iPhone 3 the day it came in Sweden, and yeah. it, that was also when the App Store was launched, right? And I, I remember how incredible it was and like you just knew that this was a new like the world had changed like the, the, the feeling was like that when you got this device and when you opened the app store at that time uh i was like excited every day when i woke up because i wanted to see if they had launched a new application on app on app store yeah. and i would go through them one by one and i would see oh dude, there's two new applications today and the applications was like you know you would like hold the phone and it would like display a beer. And then when you like drank it, it was like an animation. <laughs> exactly. So it's like, it looked like you had like, you were like drinking one. a beer. And, uh, <laughs> and it was like yeah. all these like silly applications that didn't really have much use, let's say, other than, you know, you, you get a bit uh, credit, uh, credit points from your friends or whatever. Uh, but uh, yeah, then it took time, you know, before Facebook adopted, um, uh, and, and, and became kind of like mobile friendly and you could upload photos on the go that was like a huge thing uh, and then as you say like years and years later is when uh when when, when uber came which uh which is a very simple and intuitive idea but it took time for people to just understand the paradigm shift that had taken place and similarly now as you point out 
in uh, we are we are only you know four months into this. It's amazing, you know. We've only been with ChatGPT for four months, and people are still trying to figure out exactly how it works or what the limitations are. And even the developers of ChatGPT are also trying to understand uh, what are the limitations with the with the, with the, um, the software. How do you prompt correctly? in order for the software to do what you want it to do and so on. And uh, obviously now recently they announced that, uh, OpenAI announced that they are launching plugins to ChatGPT. So uh, you'll be able to, for example, do your grocery shopping through ChatGPT. You'll be mm. able to book flights through ChatGPT, uh, through through plugins. Um, and so that is kind of like the next phase now where uh, ChatGPT is kind of plugged into um, different parts of the internet and you know what's gonna what's going to happen uh, when um, kind of the major tech companies get really creative in uh, in in the way they they use these plugins in order to like optimize their ChatGPT uh, kind of performance uh, between them and the company so that, that there's like so many interesting ideas I suppose now that people are floating but we we don't know exactly where those ideas will go or what will eventually stick but but you have a feeling that this is going to be a big revolution even in the world of affiliation do you think yeah I mean for affiliation we already can see like some yep. implementation as I said it's it's very early to say something but uh obviously it's 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 a it's a major thing since like you know many years I mean it, it's especially in content creation and it's not only for affiliates but like in general like the content creation game changed totally when before you needed like a, you know a team of content writers or copywriters now uh, you should reconsider those teams and maybe give it a thought of uh, how ChatGPT could be implemented within the team and be used to you know ease the process yes yeah, so, okay so I have an idea for you and for all the affiliates out there uh, on, uh, of a new way of thinking. Okay, are you ready? So right today, yeah. people are using ChatGPT a lot for recommendations. So they would ask like, what are the best restaurants? What are the best venues? Um, you know, which country should I visit if I like to do adventures? And one of the questions you can ask ChatGPT is, uh, what are the best online casinos? And it will give you an answer. It ranks, if you want to know, it ranks Bet365 at number one today. Okay, so that's uh, ChatGPT's interpretation of who who is the best online casino today. Uh, previously, you know, if we uh, go back 20, 25 years, Google launched Yahoo um, and um, and some of the uh, like original Alta Vista search engines uh, that uh, indexed the internet, and people started searching for these type of things. Then, what is the best online casino? And someone down the line realized that it's possible to influence the um, search in engine in order to give in order for the search engine to give you the answer that you wanted to give uh, right and that is what seo is today is to uh, to some extent manipulate the algorithm uh, so google gives you the answer you want now isn't the next paradigm shift here on ai uh, optimization instead of search instead of seo isn't it aio uh, the next uh, kind of paradigm shift here where the um, the SEO experts or the AIO experts, if you will, of the future needs to mm -hmm. learn how to influence ChatGPT in order to rank BetSafe, whatever, as number one instead of Bet365. Isn't that the natural next step here? How do we influence the AI to give the answer you wanted to give? 
Actually, that's a very good point, and uh, I didn't think of that, um, to be honest. I mean, um, actually, there is going to be some, um, you know, some people or some companies would like to uh, somehow influence the response of the AI, the response of ChatGPT uh, on some questions today. But the thing is, uh, in this case, uh, I, I'm worried that, I mean, uh, this task relies on the shoulders of the actual companies and not on the affiliate. So if we compare these two things like SEO and AI, what's what's the what's the motivation for affiliates to get on the first page or on the first rows because they are generating something you know they are they are making money out of it right. i mean sure. if uh, if you take away this um, significant you know uh, part from their from their reasoning from from uh, as a ground of what they are doing they they won't be willing to get those ranks and when it comes to chat gpd it's more about the actual companies you know to try to get there so let's say if you are, if you are like the owner of uh, or representative of uh, leo vegas or something else you would like to be in the list that uh, you know ai returns and in this case it, it should be their own um, their own desire and their own uh, efforts to get into that uh, into that uh, list, but the thing here is that ChatGPT and the AI builds their data based on the SEO itself. So they are all. I mean, um, they their resources uh, are based on the SEO. Their resources are based on the actual internet. So uh, the thing is, it's like a you know. Um, I think it, it really depends on the SEO today. Maybe maybe we we outlive it and we come to the stage where the chat GPT can independently create those articles and independently analyze and uh, rank some pages based on their own uh, rules like that you know Google has today or Bing or or, or Yahoo has today uh, and and at that time there are going to be some you know ground rules that people are going to follow with their pages how to appear in AI how to appear in the results of ChatGPT probably you are right I mean uh, the ball is rolling the way that uh, that's where we're going to end up in it, like finally and uh, it's a very reasonable question I think uh, I think yeah uh, we will we will uh come to that stage one day where uh, people will also pay attention to the rules of ai instead only of uh, google or other search engines right uh i just uh, i just asked the chat here now while we were on this topic um can you create uh, a list of websites that ranks and recommend online casinos. Rank them one to ten. So uh, um, according to ChatGPT, ChatGPT's favorite three um, affiliates, if you will, are uh, AskGamblers.com is number one. Congratulations, AskGamblers! Yeah. You just won the ChatGPT uh, prize here. Uh, number two is Casino.org, and number three is CasinoMeister. Those are one, two, three. Uh, and so, uh, <laughs> so, so yeah, that's the, that's the perception of the AI, uh, at least up until September 2021, which was like the cutoff point of the data, right? But at some point, they, um, uh, the next uh, LLM will be trained on new updated data. 
So uh, I, I suppose yeah. uh, now, like affiliates and operators that you mentioned here, uh, needs to think a lot about like how do you influence the AI so that when the next LLM uh, arrives, uh, that um, you know your affiliate site or uh, your operator is uh, listed as number one when people ask these questions because people are going to rely on the AI more and more and more. Like I, I just look at myself and my own adoption in um, in ChatGPT. You know, I, me and my girlfriend we are planning to go to uh, the Dolomites in Italy in summer. We want to go on a hiking yeah. journey, and I'm like. I don't even know where to begin to plan this trip. Shall we get a guide to book it for us, whatever, because I don't know anything. And then I just asked ChatGPT to put together an itinerary for me um, based on my preferences and we are bringing our dog and all the things. And it just, you know, within a minute, flawlessly, it puts together the entire itinerary. And so I use, you know, you would imagine that like when people adopt more and more ChatGPT, that uh, these type of questions, we will fall back more and more on the, on the AI rather than Google, perhaps. And so that begs the question, of course, the, the age-old million-dollar question, is SEO dead when, <laughs> when ChatGPT takes over a lot? <laughs> I think ChatGPT uh, can... Be sort of a uh, you know switch from the SEO because I mean in the end if uh, you look into what they are doing and uh, how how ChatGPT is being used any I mean uh, like the outcome is the same you get some results for your search uh, queries and you try to you know answer some questions in this case I mean if it gets really developed and it uh, you know. Uh, being fed with like a significant amount of data, which is all is it is staggering already, and uh, I can imagine how big it's gonna get like uh, after some time. I wouldn't say that SEO would die, but uh, definitely ChatGPT is a is a big competitor here because if you uh, take into consideration what is the SEO itself and uh, basically, it's answering the questions, right? And uh, if if you go and Google something, you get the answers within the lines of the website. In case of ChatGPT, you get a single a single message where you have the answer. If the answers get more and more precise, then people will cease using the regular uh, search engines and will you know switch to ChatGPT and get faster answers there. And yeah, maybe uh, maybe it can kill SEO after like five or ten years. But until it is, uh, I mean, today SEO is so big and it's it, it's so powerful that you yeah. have to have like a very powerful tool and prove everyone that it is much more worthy and much more useful uh, to be able to switch and uh, you know swap one for, uh, to the other uh, it, because I mean. Uh, it should be significant. It should be truly uh, better than what you get today. If you get that, uh, people will switch to the new ways of searching for their results. That's for sure. Fair enough. SEO lives lives another day. Uh, <laughs> looking a bit wider, Helevan, uh, on the on the uh, field of affiliation, what, what um, other trends are you seeing today in the world of affiliation? Uh, so ChatGPT is one, of course. Is there other kind of trends that are taking place, or are affiliates just doing what they have always done, which is just uh, kind of churning churning out content? On yeah, ChatGPT is a is a broader thing for affiliates. I mean, 
it somehow affects the business and affects the industry or the vertical. But um, other than that, I mean, uh, there are uh, some trends that affiliates are following or some companies are following and getting into affiliates. For example, now we know that there are many B2B companies who have created affiliate websites for, of their own and they try to drive traffic through those websites to their own content and promote their own brands, their own slots, their own games. Uh, on the other hand, there, there are some, uh, again, B2B companies, content creators, providers who have affiliate teams and these teams are responsible for a communication with affiliates, some streamers, some affiliate websites, and uh, providing them, you know, a uh, demo version of their games, which could be placed on their websites or uh, agreeing on some terms or on some fixed fee amount for the streamers to uh, gamble and wager on their uh, slot or on their game and uh, stream this uh, within their, you know, streaming channels. I mean... Um, People understood and B2B companies uh, realized that in order to succeed now in this, uh, within the vast amount of content creators, you have to think differently and out of box. And uh, thinking out of box here is uh, promoting your games in a way that uh, people don't promote today. And one of those channels, of course, is the affiliate. So you go to affiliate, you talk to them, and you try to make them promote your slot games directly to the players. And in that way, you you become and uh, create your brand awareness and create, you know, the brands uh, and make them more popular rather than just, you know, promoting during exhibitions uh, where uh, there is no uh, feedback from the players themselves. So it's now it's more important to get directly to the players and uh, and I mean there are different trends now. Some casinos go after creating their own affiliate websites. Some affiliates try to become casinos and you know um, within their affiliate business promote their own brand. I mean we see this. We have always seen this, but uh, anyway, uh, I could say that the largest casinos and the largest affiliates are the ones taking care uh, of their own business. So they don't really get into, you know, everything else. I mean, they try to do the things that they are best at and they are just uh, polishing it and polishing it and making it better rather than, you know, trying to put hands in different things at the same time. Right, right, right. So, so Levan, you talk about uh, you know the operators uh, getting closer directly to the players, the B two B providers uh, kind of circumventing the operators in order to promote their games directly to the player. Um, just um, uh, just about two weeks ago, we saw Entain acquiring uh, thirty six five scores, uh, which uh, is a major uh, major app uh, that, that is um, that is acting as an affiliate uh, as well to attract players uh, for one hundred sixty million. Uh, DraftKings have made many. Uh, um, many many acquisitions uh, of, of affiliates and so on. Uh, do, do you feel that the affiliates will play a lesser and lesser role in the future uh, when when operators are uh, directly trying to conduct their own affiliation efforts and uh, and improve their efforts to to reach the um, the players in different ways? I mean, this is this is the distinctly a trend that is happening now and. Uh, uh, Companies understand that affiliates are the influencers today. Like 
at least they are like part of the influence that uh, players are getting. And for that reason, uh, we see all these acquisitions. Even we see B two B companies, you know, within the, even even the Ask Gamblers and the GIG thing that happened recently. I mean, uh, this is something happening all the time. But uh, I mean, they have to keep in mind, and I'm sure most of them will do. And to keep this project separate from one another. If if you have Ask Gamblers in your umbrella. You shouldn't, you know, make us gamblers promote all your brands or somehow push them, you know, in in a very obvious way. Uh, even if you are gaining, like, you know, some some uh, more awareness, or you can promote your brands uh, with some better terms. There, uh, this businesses should should be kept separate from one another because if you mix them and if you try to uh, review casinos and your own casinos are being reviewed in a lighter uh, you know in, in in a lighter position or you try to shadow the things that you don't want to be you know conveyed to the players in this way first of all you will lose the trust of the players and you will lose the affiliate business as, as, as it is. So even if all these acquisitions happen, you have to always keep them like the businesses separate from one another because players, they are not full like at all. And uh, some, some of them, they understand how this B2B and B2C businesses work. And uh, in different forums, you can suddenly see that guys, you know, uh, uh, us gamblers is pushing this brand because, uh, they they are part of uh, the same uh, umbrella and uh, i mean they will lose the trust that uh, and and the credibility that us gamblers was creating for the last couple of years uh, these things should be you know uh, very thoroughly uh, taken care of uh, and unless it is in it is in place i think it is okay for companies to expand and to buy you know smaller affiliates or uh, affiliate type of businesses and merge with their b2b businesses yeah it's a, it's a good point uh, of course that the affiliates in order to attract players and to refer players in, in a in a correct manner they obviously need to think about their own integrity um i, I have another question on this note uh, you know we talk about um us gamblers which was uh, offloaded from catena media to gig recently uh, catena media has uh, an outspoken strategy now of um, kind of downscaling the rest of the world efforts in order to focus on North America specifically uh, as a as a growth market, um, and we've seen kind of uh, we got an indication from Catena Media that uh, the um, the revenues from Europe has been in decline uh, essentially for for some time. Uh, that was also the um, kind of rumors of as gamblers as well that as gamblers, while being the biggest, uh, were on a downward trajectory when uh, GIG acquired them, um, which is also why the multiple the, the price was quite low in 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 consideration. Uh, so my question uh, to Levan is. Um, is the affiliation business becoming more and more difficult now? Like, what, what does it take today to become a successful affiliate and then kind of to maintain that status? Is it more and more difficult every year as time goes on? Yeah, obviously it's getting difficult because, I mean, uh, more people understand how affiliates work and uh, some of them being passionate about sports or casinos or being, you know, very re related to the industry. I mean, uh, it's not a problem for them to create a blog and share their experience. Uh, 
uh, with their audience. Uh, the competition is crazy now, and it's like really too much. It's it's um, hard, and especially in European market where, uh, I mean, uh, it has some reasons. Uh, in Europe, uh, Europe has always been the heart of the gambling, and all the B two B companies and uh, all the business, you know, started from here. It's very, uh, you know, um, it's very rare to hear about like some revolutionary uh, casino games or uh, some you know really nice content being created outside of Europe so it, it was mostly Europe generating everything and hence for obvious reasons uh, the affiliates and the industry was uh, very you know very uh, like more common in our area let's put it that way and and if you go like you know based on the languages and on the geos and demographics like uh the most affiliate websites they start on you know like with the english language and for the obvious reason that the english is the most common language in the world everyone knows that and everyone you know google's first thing in english so that's why uh, the the first you know bunch of affiliates are the ones that target the English language then when you break it down to different regions uh, you can you can split those companies based on crypto casinos and non crypto casinos now this crypto casino uh, trend is also you know uh, has been growing for the last five years at least and people realize that it, it's getting harder and harder to cover this mainstream uh, areas and geos because all the affiliates who kickstart their projects basically like the chances are very high that they will choose the english and crypto or the regular casinos and uh it it, it creates crazy competition within that scope so you have to di diversify and try to enter the areas where there are less competitors and especially when you have money and you are very sustained uh, affiliate yourself you can allow to buy licenses you can uh, you can hire teams that can be dedicated to the geos. Then in this case, it's much easier for you to concentrate on North America because uh, you you can do things that a smaller affiliate with like five people team, they, they can't do it because they don't have the funds, they don't have the investments, uh, and they don't have the knowledge how to do that, how to gain the certificate or, or the license for affiliation in U.S., uh, depending on the, I don't know, different, uh, different states or whatever. And that's why for, for larger companies, it's easier to get to these markets. Uh, and for smaller ones now, we know LATAM is also a booming market and there are many affiliates who hire Portuguese or Spanish speaking content writers and they enter those markets because there is a lot that you can harvest there today. But U.S. is 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 the winning market now, and that's why all the big companies and it's not only um, it's not only Catena Media, but it's uh, other big names there who target U.S. now very very uh, thoroughly, and it's a uh, it's 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 the next big market. Brilliant, Levan. Um, also, from one thing to the other here, we're gonna start winding down uh, here. I have two more questions for you today. Uh, Levan, uh, first of all, you know, I take note of, of the fact, of course, that you are in Armenia at the moment. You're Armenian yourself and uh, Afapa is, um, is uh, based over there. Uh, it's quite interesting to um, to see from an outside perspective how many like major iGaming companies 
that are born in Armenia, like uh, Betconstruct, Digitain, to name a few, and obviously Afpapa is an up-and-comer uh, here as well. Um, wh- why is it that Armenia is uh, such a hotbed for successful iGaming companies? Um, I think that's because the, like, the first reason that uh, Armenians love to gamble, uh, and we had uh, many B2C companies back in the days after the Soviet Union, you know, uh, when we got independent, this industry started to roll. There were many casinos in Armenia and especially in Yerevan, land-based casinos. And uh, after like maybe 10 years in 2003 and four, this uh, online betting thing just appeared. And it was not even online back in the days. Uh, like the companies, they used to print the odds. Like in the beginning of the day, they were there was no live odds back in the day. So you got this list. You know, you you just uh, ticked and checked the. the uh, odds you want to place bet on and uh, and like within this the industry started growing and there was a rigid competition between um, b2c companies and one after another they became they they went into the b2b business and uh, in armenia i would say they you know achieved to this maturity level of maturity like earlier than our neighbor countries because there are some uh, b2b companies in georgia or uh i don't know turkey and other other countries you know uh, next to us even in russia but uh for some reason uh because of this rigid competition uh one company was running after another and they went into the B2B business. And for that reason, uh, in Armenia, now we have this big B2B uh, providers. Uh, and it's not only platform providers, but they provide like variety of services. And uh, yeah, we got more people knowledgeable about the iGaming and for this reason also like uh, external companies they created an affiliate branches or or sister companies in Armenia for example now we have evolution here we opened founded every matrix in 2015 in Armenia this for, for this was for the obvious reason that they had the talents and yeah. uh, i think that's where the ball started is rolling and now when someone is looking into you know expanding their uh, businesses and looking, you know, into a new geo to open a new office uh, with uh, iGaming talents. I think Yerevan is one of the locations that they look into. Yeah, absolutely. I, I, I'm, I'm very much looking forward to come there myself uh, at some point as well to say to say hi in person. For sure, we'll have uh, you here <laughs> for sure. Uh, so, final question for you today, Levon, is um, obviously. Uh, as I mentioned at the start of the podcast, we have been observing you guys and your kind of uh, rise and rise in the um, in the last couple of years uh, here. And we are really proud to be working together with you guys for uh, Agamemnon X Valletta, which is taking place 21st and 22nd, soon, uh, 22nd June in Valletta. And um, uh, we're really excited to have you there, there of course. Uh, you, you will organize an award show and obviously um, um, you, you'll do these uh, networking events between operators and affiliates. But can you talk a little bit more about your, what you are planning uh, for for that event and uh, why people should uh, consider attending. And first of all, thank you for uh, for the offer to do um, this event together. I mean, uh, this was uh, you know this was 
very great to uh, to receive from you uh, in terms of seeing us as uh, as a company that could you know fit your structure and could fit um, the scope of the iGaming Next in general and uh, organizing the affiliate and operators networking event within the scope of iGaming Next. Uh, yes, so. Uh, as you know, previously we had a couple of networking events, uh, which were basically gathering of affiliates and operators. And um, that's when we felt that uh, the industry really needs um, a platform where affiliates and operators, especially affiliates and operators, can meet one another without any you know other companies uh, in between them like because we know like in, in in many exhibitions there there are like many providers and it's hard for affiliates and operators to get along and to find one another and to talk about the specifically affiliate and operator businesses because uh, when you are doing a show for affiliates and operators you don't necessarily have the entire teams flying to those events, but it's more the affiliate team with their head of affiliates or like maybe the, sometimes the marketing team and etc. So this is important to separate those things. And uh, within the scope of iGaming Next, uh, we will be having a separate venue in the first floor in La Valletta Hall where we will have a setup for affiliates and operators with um, the lounge area, networking area, speed dating area, and also we will have a place for boots, uh, a stands where where operators and affiliates can have their branded, you know, corners uh, to conduct meetings there, to invite their partners, you know, and have a qual high quality networking. And within the scope of this area, we will. Mm, comprise only affiliates and operators so once you enter once you enter the the area of the networking that's where you have all the affiliates and operators and uh, we will make sure to you know keep the balance the 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 right balance for affiliates and operators of course because it's um, it's easy for operators to fly their teams of like five, ten people. Uh, but on the other hand, you have to also uh, make the environment for the affiliates as well so that uh, they could get there. They could, you know, have the access uh, to the venue and uh, talk to operators, get the best deals and also most importantly to create this relationship. So within within the period of iGaming Next, on the first day, which is twentieth, uh, we will have the iGa iGaming Awards for Afpapa, where we will nominate uh, operators and affiliates for different uh, for different nominations, and they will be voting one for another for the best uh, of that category. Uh, and on the second day, when I mean for us, it's the second day uh, and. Uh, the second day after iGaming Next registration. Uh, so it's 21st of June uh, when the iGaming Next doors open. Uh, from 2 p.m. we will have the doors of uh, our venue open as well. So it's going to be a two days event of uh, half half days. And from 2 p.m. until the end of uh, the evening, we will have the shows running and we will have the networking of affiliates and operators going on in uh, the Lava Letta Hall. So yeah, we invite everyone to be part of this experience. 
Absolutely. If there's one event to attend this year, it is uh, the Agamonex uh, Valletta event, that's for sure. Uh, Levon, I'm super excited to see you there. Um, I'm also very excited to come over to Yerevan as soon as I can to, uh, to say hi in person. Uh, I met you and the team, of course, in, in London, and I can just echo what you said earlier here, that uh, you have a fantastic team um, that is dedicated to, uh, to building Afapa. It's, uh, it's a pleasure and an honor to work together with you um, on this project, and we are very much looking forward to working more together in the future as well. And uh, also, thank you so much, Levon, for giving me your time uh, here today. I know you're a busy man, so thank you so much for today. Thank you as well. Thanks for the opportunity to share on your stage. And yeah, looking forward to our joint event. And I'm sure we're going to have a successful show there. <laughs> I agree. Bing bang. Yes.